Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Well, good morning. Welcome to Orange Crest Community Church. My name is Scott Lambert. I'm one of the associate pastors here. And today we're continuing on our message series called Dangerous Prayers, as you can kind of tell from the roll-in video. Um, so far, we've really looked at how prayer can really ignite the power of God in our lives. Um, as we see in this roll-in video, we often um, take, make two mistakes when we're praying. Our, our prayers are usually um, not big enough, and they're usually not very specific. And they're usually just for whatever, like you saw in there. God help us to play good sports, you know? Like, it's a great, I'm glad they're approaching God with that. It's good. Or get me through this in the middle of crisis. I'll do whatever you want. I've said that before, you know? Actually, that Friday Night Lights clip kind of got me stirred up a little bit. I don't know if you watched Friday Night Lights. It was good TV, so, back in the day. So, but, um, you know, when we first learn to pray, we're often just kind of reciting what people tell us. And they can be short and simple. I remember this when my kids started to, we started to ask them to pray at mealtimes. And they were basically just mimicking my prayers. And I realized by hearing my prayers, my mealtime prayers spoke back to me like, huh, maybe I need to get a little bit more specific. You know, stuff like God help the food to nourish our bodies, help our day to go well. I mean, that's great, you know. But God's like, hey, we've already talked about that, you know. Your days go pretty good, you know, and uh, I think your food's going to nourish you. It doesn't come from a questionable source. You're doing pretty good, Scott. Like, give me something hard to pray for here. So here's the thing. Something echoey there. Here's the thing. Um, When we pray, we actually are engaging the creator of the universe. Think about that for a minute. We're engaging, we're talking to the creator of the universe, who is listening, who also loves us, who also has the power to do whatever he wants, and who's invited us to be specific in asking him for things. Since this, we really do need to learn how to pray bold and specific prayers. If we ignore this, we can really miss out on God's blessing in our life and what he has for us. So, so far we've really explored a couple different ideas in regarding this. And we've looked at search me, God, was the first week. And then last week we looked at the frightening break me, God. And this week we're really going to take a different look and we're going to look at strengthen me. Sounds great, right? Before we do that, I want to pray. I want to ask God to bless this time. So pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for that you're real. I thank you that you love us, and I thank you that you invited us to um, engage you, and I thank you that you've given us your word, which is your truth. So, Lord, help us to understand it. Help me to be a good steward of teaching it, so that people may grow in order to accomplish things for your kingdom and your glory. Thank you, Lord. Fill us with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so when you think of the prayer, strengthen me, you know, what comes to mind? When have you needed strength? When have you really needed strength? The first thing that comes to my mind when I think of when I needed strength was a time when I was, I was trying to summit Mount San Jacinto in the middle of winter. 
It was one of those big El Nino years. This was like, like 15 years ago or something like that, back when we actually had weather. And it was great, you know, and there was a ton of ice on the mountain. And a group of us had rented these crampons, which are like spikes you put on your boots. And we had ice axes just in case you fall, they stop you from going down an icy slope, which is pretty important. And we were novice at winter mountaineering. I was a hiker, but I'd never really done winter mountaineering. So this was my first hack at it. And I'm like, you know, doing research on how to dress. And I don't have any of the moisture wickening fabric. I'm just wearing cotton. So when you sweat, it just gets wet, you know, and stays wet. So we get up there and it starts off a nice sunny day. We take the tram out of Palm Springs up and we're starting to hike and it's fully icy. And we were lucky we have the crampons and the ice axes, and we're making our way up the mountain. And it's not that hard of a trail. Well, then, you know, we kind of knew this was a possibility, but we were hoping it wouldn't happen. On the west side of the mountain was a huge storm. Well, it made its way up to the top and on our side, and the temperature dropped to zero degrees, and a blizzard hit, like full-on blizzard. And in all our wisdom, we kept going, you know. And... <laughs> Luckily, we did have a turnaround time. We said by 1 o'clock, we'll turn around no matter where we're at. And we, the result is we didn't make the summit. We turned around. All the water that I had taken froze solid. I didn't think about that. <laughs> water freezes, guys. <laughs> and uh, even freezes in your backpack. <laughs> all my food froze. Have you ever tried to eat a rock-hard cliff bar? It's not pleasant. So you're trying to eat water from the snow that's accumulating, which you can't get enough. You're sweaty. When you stop, you freeze. So you can't stop. You can't get enough water. I can't eat because I tried to, but it just takes so long to get enough calories in to match what you're outputting. And so by the end, of, and then it got dark. And we're still not out. Now the guys are with, are much more experienced and much more in shape than I are. And they were just like, you know, no big deal. And here I am like, Ugh. And, and the result was, you know, I didn't have snowshoes. I had heavy boots on with heavy metal tied to them. And the snow was up to here by the end of the day. That's how much it snowed in the several hours we were out there. So every step, you're just post-holing it down and down. And it got to the point where I was so cold, so tired, so hungry, you know how you always hear, like, people just go to sleep in the middle of the snowy woods, you know? And I always wondered, why do they do that? That's stupid. Like, I realized why they do it. <laughs> All you want to do is go to sleep. I just kept thinking, that looks like a nice, soft pillow of snow right there. Just get a little bit of rest, and then I can go. And I knew I shouldn't do that, but that's what your head starts thinking. So I was in a moment where every step was the only step I could take. And I needed strength. My strength wasn't enough. And I remember saying, God, please strengthen me. And we got out, just so you know. <laughs> Felt great. Yeah, spoiler alert. Felt great, you know, like... Got into the chalet, took the lift down. I'd never been more traumatized. Went to Burger King, ate like three combo meals, you know. I just remember sitting there thinking food, water, warmth were amazing things, you know. And um, so it was definitely a good time. Went back the next winter and accomplished it. So you'll be happy to hear that in the snow. So <laughs> it wasn't quite the same circumstances, though. But you may have not found yourself stranded on a mountain in the middle of a snowstorm. You know, some of you probably have. Um, but we've all found ourselves where we didn't have 
enough strength. Whether it's recreation, whether it's illness, you ever gotten a stomach bug? I'm sure you have. I'd rather have a two-week cold than a 12-hour stomach bug. Those are the times where I'm like, strengthen me. (laughs) A hard season of work. Family trouble. These are times when we really need it. Many of you can identify with this story. Remember when my daughter, my firstborn, when she was a baby and we were in the hospital, we just delivered her, and I'm holding her, and she was having a little minor health complications that were easily overcome. And I remember just looking at her, and all of a sudden this intense, overwhelming sense of responsibility came over me. Like, oh my goodness. I not only, will I not only be up to the challenge of keeping her alive, because they're so fragile when they're little, but will I be able to raise her into a woman who loves God and is mature? Am I really up for this? And I remember actually praying, God, I need your strength. I need your strength. What about dealing with emotionally difficult times? Um, a story, this is seared into my brain. I had a brother, you know, over 15 years ago who committed suicide. And he, um, when he, when he died, we went out there and I, I seared into my mind for a long time is the grief of my father during this time. I still remember to this day, my saddest memory is watching my dad wail just wail in utter grief and tears for the loss of my brother. Scream out. Just lose control in crying. And I remember my dad over those few days was so emotionally overrun. To the point that one night he had such a bad stomachache just from the intense grief. And he, he, he went alone by himself. He told me this right after it happened. And he just cried out to God. And he said, God, I am your child. You are my father. I need your help. Please strengthen me. Take this pain away. Help me to endure this season of loss. And God instantly, this doesn't always happen, but God instantly took the pain in his stomach away. And he never had it again. In fact... Um, you know, my dad grieved for probably a couple years after that. But it was such a... God had strengthened him to a point, and since then, that has propelled him into his 70s, where he has such a vision for the kingdom of God and helping people grow that's not matched by many people in their 70s. My dad's busier than I am. He's still calling me, yeah, we led so-and-so to the Lord the other day, you know, and we've been working with this couple and this guy, and we go to Christmas there, and there's like a homeless guy over, there's another guy with a traumatic brain injury over for Christmas who had never been given a present, my parents, you know, and it's just amazing to watch. My parents have a heart for people, and a lot of it actually leads back to the strength God gave them to endure this hard season. My dad's needs were not just to endure the emotional pain. He really needed a new perspective. He needed to be comforted. And he needed a real sense of understanding of how life worked from God's eyes to endure his son dying in the way he died. Can you imagine being able to truly understand that God loves you when that happens to you? And he did. 
So, I think it's really, it's easy for us to kind of get a sense of how we all need strength at times. And the Bible actually really invites us to pray this prayer. It actually sets the example and tells us how to do it and how to approach it. So I want to look at that. Um, today we're going to look at um, the New Testament, and it's the second half of the Bible. And in there, there's a book called Ephesians. And in the third chapter, verses 14 through 21, which is what we're going to be looking at, um, the writer here is Paul. And he's one of the apostles that came later, and he is basically one of the early church leaders. Um, and he is telling us about a specific prayer he had for people in, the, in a church that he had planted. Okay, And so he starts out, for this reason. And... Let me pause for a second. Anytime it says for this reason, you kind of want to know what the reason is, right? So he's just got through in the early part of chapter 3 explaining to them that, guys, we've experienced God's plan for saving us in, in an actual time and space in history by seeing the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Because that had all just happened. And he said previous generations before the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, they had to faith. They had to have faith in what God, how God was going to save them. They knew God would save them. They just didn't know. They hadn't seen it yet. They just trusted it. He, so he was talking about how unique of an opportunity, and we share in that, by the way, guys, how unique of an opportunity is to live after that time, place in our history where that redemption took place. And so, you know, he's, he's, he's just talking about how great it is. So he says, for this reason, I bow the knee before the Father. He's talking about God there. From whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of the glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power throughout his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the, all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than, that, than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him... Be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So what we're going to learn from this, what we're going to pick out is basically, um, what is this passage telling us about how to approach God for strength? And it has, has a few things. And then what are the areas that we can specifically ask God for strength? So let's learn what it tells us in Ephesians 3 about this. So first we can learn, and this is in your listening guide that's in your handout today. And you can write and keep notes if you prefer to do that. So first we learn that God is our spiritually rich Father. You know, in the passage which you have listed on your handout, it says, I bow the knee before the Father from whom every family in heaven is named. Paul is really trying to connect us with our supreme kind of good high Father. Like this is the Father of Fathers. He's really trying to say God is our Father and He's good and he's the highest father. It's kind of like the ultimate, like my daddy can beat up your daddy kind of a thing, you know. Like, here it is. You're right now, you know. Um, and it says, it, it says that who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can think or ask. So he'll never run out of resources. So what we learn from that is he is our wise, all-knowing, 
spiritually rich father who wants to give. And so that really sets the stage, right, for how we approach him. Kind of like my dad. I am your child. You are my father. Help. Help. The issue is, though, is sometimes what we think we need help in, God doesn't always agree, right? An example of this, when I first really started to understand and learn this and trust God is when my daughter was a little bit younger, she went through this short season. It was pretty short, but she was intensely afraid of the dark. In fact, when the sun would set and we'd be inside the house, she would like, can we please shut all the blinds? Because I don't like seeing the dark outside the window. It's just creepy and stuff, you know. And I would take her to her room, put her to bed, and I'd turn on the light. And she's like, she would be afraid. So I, I went through this reasoning process of trying to explain to her that there's nothing different in your room when the lights are on and the lights are out. We had this whole experiment, right? We put the water cup out. Is it different now? Is it the same? You know, like, does the teddy bear come alive and move? No. You know, and none of that mattered. None of that <laughs> mattered for her. She just said, it's creepy, <laughs> you know? And so, um, and I knew, I knew she was okay. I knew she was okay. What she, what she couldn't understand is, why don't you just leave the lights on, Dad? Is it really that big of a deal? <laughs> like, come on. And it was a big deal because I had her maturity in mind, not her immediate immature comfort. She needed to grow up. Right? It'd be kind of weird. My daughter, 18 years old, still afraid of the dark. So she needed to grow up. And so what she needed was not comfort. She needed strength. And so I, I I remember that experience, actually, and reasoning with her and then actually making the choice to say, you're fine. You can do this. You'll be okay. I'm here. And leaving her with her fear. Sounds like a bad father, huh? It was good. <laughs> and I, I, I remember thinking, boy, if I can do that, I wonder what God does to me like that. I wonder what God does to me. I wonder how he's my spiritually rich father who asks me to do things that I don't really want to do sometimes. And I can trust him and move forward and he'll, he'll equip me. So, so Paul is really telling us, this is, this is kind of the lesson from this, is we can humbly approach our father as a child in need who needs help. And expect him to help us. How he helps us is a whole other question. So, next we learn from this passage is that our heart is the target of change. Verse 16 asks God to strengthen our inner man. The inner man refers here to really the soul, which is the core of who we are. The Bible also refers to this as our heart. And the heart really is kind of like the cockpit of an airplane. It's what guides you and directs you. It sets direction for what we do. And what's interesting about this connection is our flesh is strengthened by our heart. So God strengthens our heart and the byproduct is our flesh is strengthened. Galatians 5, 16 through 17 says, but I, but I say, walk by the Spirit referring to the Spirit of God here, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you actually want to do. What's interesting, and we've said this before from this stage, is that the picture you get in this is that 
I think as long as we live and, and we have decided to make Jesus Christ the boss of our lives and, and become what the Bible refers to as a Christian, and we're, we're always going to be pulled by God's Spirit. But the other problem is, not the problem, that's a good thing. The problem is, is we're always going to be pulled by our flesh to do what we want and what makes sense to us. And so forever is going to be this tug of war. You know, and that's why it's really important just to feed the spirit and to let the spirit grow and strengthen you and your inner person as to, you know, so that you can overcome your flesh. But realize that no matter how mature you get, there's always going to be that pull back. The great thing is, though, is if you I'm kind of getting ahead of myself here, but if you do kind of allow yourself to um, decline into immaturity, the spirit of God is always there wanting to pull you back. Because he's our loving father. Our prayers can really need to be focused on this. Asking God for help to grow our hearts. We need our hearts to be strengthened. The core of who we are needs to change. And then we will have effective power on overcoming behaviors that derail our life. Habits that kill our relationships. And perspectives that sometimes causes deep emotional distress. So we need help. Last is we glimpse that God loves us more than we can comprehend. This passage is pretty clear on that. Um, we are dramatically changed when the fullness of Christ's love and the spiritual power found in faith is revealed to us. And we mature in this. Um, it's funny, I remember telling both my kids multiple times throughout their childhood um, to try to get them to understand this concept about God when they started asking questions about God and then they decided they wanted to be a follower of Jesus. And I would tell them, it's kind of funny, I, this was a little bit of a risk on my part, but I would say, hey, do you guys think I love you? And they'd be like, oh yeah, daddy, you love us. And they'd say, well, do you think I'm like wise? <laughs> This is the part I was a little nervous at, you know. And they're like, oh, Daddy, you're so wise. You know so much about everything. You know, and kids, like, they think you know, you have every answer to everything when they're young. And, well, do you think I'm actually a good dad? Like, I make good decisions and I parent you well. You do, Dad. Even when it's hard, we know it's for our good. Like, they, they were, they're really compliant, you know, answering the questions rightly. <laughs> and I'm giving them cookies on the side. No, but... You know, where I'm asking these questions and they're saying, oh, yes, Dad. And, and I said, do you know that God is like 10,000, 10 million times better at all of that and loves you even more than I do? Do you know that he's that much better as a father than I will ever be? And they would just be like, whoa. I don't know if they got it fully, but I kept telling them that. Because I wanted to understand, like, hey, you've experienced a good thing. Me and you have a good thing going on here. <laughs> Do you know that it can be better? <laughs> and it can be better because God is better. And he truly loves us. And the passage even talks about it. Like, we don't get it. We don't understand. We can't fully comprehend the breadth, the length, the height, the width of how much God really loves us and cares for us. And as we get it... We are strengthened. Think about this. Think about how much motivation comes from when you actually believe. Like, let's, let's think there's somebody you believe who actually really loves you. 
cares for you. They're willing to sacrifice for you. Like, you know they love you and they're for you and they like you. And they're wise. And they ask you to help them with a very big project that's going to cost you to sacrifice. Aren't you just willing to help them? That's how it is with God. As we learn how much He loves us and cares for us, and as we we grow in a response towards that, we're motivated to sacrifice for Him. Rather than under the gun. Do what I say under the gun. It's do what I say because I've sacrificed for you and I love you. And so we're motivated. We're strengthened. Second uh, Corinthians 5.14 says, For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. The love of Christ is what compels us. I heard a pastor once say after like 40 years of ministry, he was getting up speaking to a seminary staff and he said, you know, the question was, is how do you keep motivation in ministry? And his basic answer was, is I try to avoid doing it out of my own strength. I try to be compelled by the love of Christ in my life. And that is the only times that I've been effective. Fulfilling life's goals and responsibilities on our own strength is not going to be fully effective. We're going to run out of strength. I know I have, and I know, I know you have too. So, um, so as I lay out this approach to, you know, that God is asking us for strength, what, what, are, what are some of the areas in life that start to come to mind when you think you need strength? Uh, Paul gives us a glimpse um, in Ephesians 4, and I'm just going to quickly read this, and then I'm going to tell you what I pulled out of this. And here's, here's what it is. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then in verse 11, it goes on to say, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, to equip his people for all the works of the service. So all these people have these different responsibilities. Um, So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of, of the Son of God and became and become mature. The goal is maturity here. Attaining to the wholesome measure and the fullness of Christ. That's referring to his knowledge and love. So um, then we will no longer be infants. We'll be, we won't be immature. We'll be mature and strengthened. And infants are tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind and teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we'll be able to speak truth and love. And we will grow to become in every respect the mature body in, of him who is the head, that is Christ. When I read this passage, I really get a glimpse for what's possible for God's people. And so here's what's possible. So a few areas, you know, this isn't a comprehensive list that I've taken out of this passage, but this is a good list to get us started. Because you can say, okay, I need strength, but what is God actually saying I need strength to do? Like, what is, what is God's perspective of, I want to, Scott, I want to point you in this direction, and it's going to require my strength, so ask me when you get to that. What are the areas he's talking about? Does that make sense? I don't know if he's necessarily as concerned with my strength just to do what I want to do. You know? But, but I need strength to accomplish what he wants me to do. So the first is to endure. Life's hard, right? And we sometimes need strength to hold on 
or to hold out to the end of trouble. And this is not impossible with God. It's hard sometimes to accept the circumstances that we find ourselves in. This is my dad's story. He needed strength to endure hardship. And I remember my dad, even in that time, I remember me in my own grief was one day lamenting and saying, oh man, our life's never going to be the same. What, what has my brother done to us? He's ruined our lives by his choice. We will always be sad. We will never be the same. And my dad just said, in, in the middle of intense grief, he said, Scott, we will have joy again. And he was right. And he had that vision. He knew it. But he needed to endure. Next is we get God's grace. Or we, we were given grace. Sorry, let me reframe that. <laughs> we need strength to give grace. Yeah, if you've ever lived with any human in this world, which I think all of you have and do, right? You recognize the fact that you need to give grace. It's hard to forgive, isn't it? If you've ever had the opportunity to have been deeply hurt by somebody in this world, then you know what it's like to have an enemy. And the Bible urges us to forgive our enemies. This is hard, right? This goes against who we are. We will need strength to forgive and to continually give grace. To give the benefit of the doubt. Third is, is sacrifice for others. We need strength to sacrifice for others. All great heroic stories capitalize on this point. And it's interesting. I think about it. And we're going to watch a clip here in a moment that kind of shows this. There's something inside of us that just loves a good sacrifice story, right? With a hero that sacrifices. God has actually written on our hearts a certain element of, of we desire the right things. However, we're also bent and broken and we want what we want. And we think we deserve it and we're willing to hurt people to get what we want. So we sometimes fight against that. So we see what we want, but we also want this. And we're at, we're at war with ourselves, right? And so, um, you know, we typically don't, you know, we think about this in a big heroic standpoint, but we typically don't think about sacrifice as... You know, okay, I will sacrifice watching The Office on Netflix so my wife could watch the greatest British baking show. Something like that. We don't typically think of that as like, I'm being heroic and sacrificing. But we should. Because that's where we live, right? Those are the daily decisions of sacrifice we live. And the full knowledge and understanding of God's grace can really help us do that. So I want to show you guys a clip here, and let me set this up. And this clip really so far kind of takes these first three points and shows it in one story. And this is a, um, this is a prisoner of war camp in Japan during the end of World War II. Okay, the wars kind of started to turn and the Allied forces were starting to, to make a lot of headway against the Japanese. So even within the camp, some of the power of the Japanese within the camp, they're losing some of their power. So you'll see that maybe they're quite not fully in charge, just to have, make sense of that. And then there's also um, this van will pull up 
And that's going to be some wounded soldiers. Well, just so it's clear to you, those are Japanese soldiers who have been wounded. The very soldiers that basically have enslaved these allied forces that are, have been imprisoned in this camp this whole time. So and it's a, you'll hear some people talking. You hear some Scottish accents. This is a mix of allied forces that have been enslaved in this camp. So let's go ahead and, and watch the clip. An enemy location was also hit nearby. The wounded had abandoned their posts looking for help. Their arrival at our camp would compel us to make the most important decision of our lives. A decision that would defy the Bushido code of honor and shame. Gordon offered the duty of comfort and aid to the enemy. Major, those are wounded, dying human beings. They're no harm to us. Help me get back to your own men. Someone please get me some water. Could someone please get me some water? really uh, touches our emotions, right? You may be feeling like, all right, I'm ready to help that guy out. And inspires us because we can really get a glimpse of how difficult it can really be 
to endure the hardship of a POW camp. First of all, they had to endure a lot, right? And then to face an opportunity to actually give grace and show kindness to the very enemy that has enslaved them. And then to go a step further, even to sacrifice by basically disobeying his uh, superior. That was his kind of, the guy who told him to get back in line. That was kind of his superior officer. Um, Our hearts are drawn to live this stuff out, right? We just get bent towards self-centeredness. And we really need God's grace to accomplish this in the great moments that God's called us to do, such as this clip, but also in everyday life. We need help to do this. Um, third, as I, or fourth, as I move on, is we need, we need strength to overcome temptation. Um, we live in a culture and in a world where saying no to ourselves and the stuff is not, is not normal, right? The instinct to say no to ourselves is very difficult. And so, we, you know, we, we re- recently I've been trying to get in shape. And for the first four, I've been exercising for six weeks. I've probably talked about this more than I need to. But I've been exercising for six weeks. And um, the first four weeks, I just exercised really intensely and hard. Because I didn't want to give up any kind of eating I didn't want to have to say no to myself, you know. And then I didn't lose any weight or anything. So I realized, okay, i got to actually count calories and, and do something different. And that's made a big difference. But, boy, I didn't want to have to say no to myself. And it's hard. It's only been two weeks, and it's hard. <laughs> when the app says I'm out of calories, it's, oh, man, start looking for pickles and salsa. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> and celery. Zero calories, guys, in case you're wondering. Um, And then fifth is we really need help sometimes to perform our responsibilities. We need strength to not freak out, to not bail on, or to not lose a grip on the responsibilities in our life, whether they're just daily responsibilities or big ones like raising children. We live in a busy and distracted world, And so we need to really ask God to give us strength. And this is key. I want you to hear this. We need strength to gain a heart of diligence in a world of haste. We need to gain a heart of diligence in a world of haste. And the last but not least is we need to pray. We need to pray for others to be strengthened by name. Your friends need this. You can pray for them by name. A quick example, and then I'll wrap up, is Martin Luther. He was one of the founders. He's the guy who helped start the Protestant Reformation back in the 1500s. And a real key guy in church history. And he had a buddy, Friedrich Myconius, who worked with him. And they, um, he got this letter from Myconius saying, I write you this in like a trembling hand, like I'm on my deathbed. I'll be dead soon, maybe even by the time you get this. So Martin Luther got the letter and returned a quick reply. And it was a very loving goodbye letter that he had sent to Martin Luther. Martin Luther returned it. And this is what he said. I think this was pretty bold. It says, and it's, there's a little bit of these and vows in there, so just bear with the English. But it's, I command thee in the name of God to live because I still have need of thee in the work of reforming the church. The Lord will never let me hear that thou art dead. Basically, I'm never going to hear that you died because God made you live. But will permit thee to survive me. For this I am praying, this is my will, and may my will be done because I seek only to glorify the name of God. 
So Myconius, when he got the letter, he had like was already sick enough where he couldn't even talk anymore. Well, he made a full recovery. And he actually lived six more years and died two months after Luther died. It's pretty incredible. Now, Luther wasn't praying for strength like, hey, I want my friend to feel good, you know. He wasn't praying even for himself like, oh, I miss my friend. He was praying saying, no, I need this guy. Like the glory of God's at hand here. He had a much bigger perspective and he prayed for strength for his friend by name and God granted it. He had a big, bold, specific prayer that was answered by God. So I want you to think about that. And as the worship team comes on stage, I want to bring your um, attention to a few next steps on your handout that you may want to consider taking this week in response to this message. First is ask God to strengthen me in whatever. You fill in the blank, whether it's to endure, to you know handle my responsibilities well, what to overcome temptation. Just ask God to strengthen you. And then, or you can pray... God strengthen blank and blank. Think of a couple friends you know who may need God's help, may need God's perspective, may need to understand the fullness of who God is. Pray for them by name. And then third, consider sacrificing in a way that requires God's strength. If you find that you haven't been in a position where you really need God's help to do the task that's at hand, consider sacrificing in a way where you only can accomplish it if God helps you. And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue on and wrap up our service. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can approach you as humble children, and you are our spiritually rich Father who can really supply what we need to accomplish what you've asked us to do. God, I, I pray for our congregation that this will make sense, that this will be real, and that we will, we will actually take you up on this and pray to ask you to strengthen us towards good ends. Uh, Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church.